Welcome back to the Sprinkler Nerd Show. This is part two of my CES Plus Site One Western Regional Conference time period where I spent three days at CES and then I spent two days with Site One at the regional conference. And what I want to talk about today became very clear to me while I was attending the Site One regional conference, and that is making fantasy a reality. I'm going to say that again because you might think it's silly, and it's, it is silly because that's part of fantasy. So here it is, making fantasy a reality. And I think this is very much in tune to what my personal ethos is. I like to fantasize. I like to be creative. I like to think of silly shit. I like to wonder. I like to think, what if... I wonder what happens if I did this. What does this button do? What happens if I turn this, right? Those kinds of fantasies um, or that type of behavior, creative thought process can create a fantasy. And a fantasy is simply like a future thought, right? It's a make-believe. And I believe that, that that is possible. You can create the future. You guys have heard me talk about this before in the past, that the future is possible. You get to create it, but it starts with the fantasy. You have to have some kind of a fantasy, and then it is all about making that fantasy into a reality. So there's going to be a couple different emphasis on this episode. That's the first one, making fantasy a reality. And I'm going to give you some specific examples, but really what this has to do with and what I want the underlying sort of message to be is that how do you keep from becoming a boring person or how do you keep from becoming a boring company or building a company that becomes boring over time? And I think about this a lot because I really do feel here in our irrigation industry, a lot of it is boring. A lot of it are commodity type companies. A lot of the people and companies uh, have what I've called default thinking. They don't think very creatively. They don't think very divergently. They don't think very much far into the future. They just see what's right in front of them. And so what I want to talk about is how do you keep from building a company that starts out new, it might start out innovative and fun, but over time it becomes boring. It becomes boring to your customers you know, doing business like an old industry veteran that's been around for a long time, but, but really has nothing new to show. Like who wants to build a boring company? I don't think anybody starts out to build a boring company, but companies do become boring. And I feel like most companies in our industry are boring. So here's my take and it's kind of my belief and I believe it to be true. And this is just my lens. You don't have to agree. Please remember that. You don't have to agree with anything that I say. This is just my own lens. But I believe this to be true. And I believe that what you want in your own way, because boring is often you know, hard to define. However, when you think of some of the companies in the irrigation industry, I think a majority of them are boring. And here is like, I don't like using the word secret, but here's my secret for you or my secret thought or something I would like you to consider. And, you know, what I'm about to share with you, or 
I'm about to share something with you, but I've not really shared it that publicly. Again, most of the things that I think about are just in my head. I'm not thinking about them out loud. This podcast is really the first place for me to share publicly out loud if you're not in my you know, inner circle of, uh, of thought leadership. So I think the reason you know, that I haven't shared this publicly before is that I really haven't had clarity on this. I didn't have clarity on this until last week when I was at the Site One Western Regional Conference. And I, I hope that there are managers out there, you know, people in management positions, and I hope there are executives out there, you know, C-suite level executives out there that are listening to this episode. And I hope you take what I'm about to say and you exaggerate it inside your company. I would love to see somebody pick up something that I'm going to say here and put it into practice but exaggerate it inside your company. And if you're not in a management position, then I hope you take this episode and share it with your manager. You know, say, hey, I just heard this on the Sprinkler Nerd Show. It sounded freaking awesome. This would get me excited to come to work every day. And this would take our company from being boring to being new again. All right. So that's, that's kind of a, my intro. Enough of my intro. I want to share the concept with you. If you are an irrigation professional, old or new, who designs, installs, or maintains high-end residential, commercial, or municipal properties, and you want to use technology to improve your business, to get a leg up on your competition, even if you're an old-school irrigator from the days of hydraulic systems, this show is for you. Let's do it. All right. Again, turning fantasy into reality. And I know that that sounds silly, but that's it. It's pretty simple. And that is really like, that is the point. I believe the secret to a successful, long-lasting, high-value business is a company that can employ an internal ethos that is focused on turning fantasy into reality. And I can say this because it's my ethos. But I would love personally for me to find a company that has an internal ethos of turning fantasy into reality. And the reason I say this is because the future is just a fantasy. The future is a fantasy. It does not exist. I don't care what anybody tells you. The future doesn't exist. It is make-believe. If the future is make-believe, how can it ever be real? It can't be real. The future doesn't exist. And so what I, I, I want you to think about that. Remind yourself, the future doesn't exist. It's just a fantasy. So in order to become the future, in order to, for the future to actually happen, somebody has to create it. Think about that. The future is created. Someone has to create the future. So let me tell you how I think the future works. It starts with turning that fantasy into reality. But to do that, you have to create the culture of fantasy. You don't want fantasy to be one guy or gal having a fantasy and afraid to share it. You want everyone in your company to have fantasies. You want to embrace the fantasy, okay? So this is how I do it personally. And this, again, is going to sound silly, and it's 
basically true. <laughs> I run my life like a creative playground. I run my freaking life like a creative playground. And for some people, that can be very annoying. <laughs> my wife has learned to live with it, and I'm learning to, you know, tune down the playground sometimes. But I like to think that I run my life like a creative playground, and it is a bit ridiculous, and that's okay. It's fucking silly, and that's okay. It's cool to be silly. I love being silly. The more silly you are, the more weird fantasies you can create, and that is a different you know, thought process. And that's not thinking outside the box. Thinking outside the box is boring. <laughs> How about you go have a fantasy? Let's fantasy think. So to me, that's the best part of it. And when I think about a playground, the reason I love saying that my life is like a creative playground is that who, you know, enjoyed playing on the playground as a kid? <laughs> I, most people, right? I know we had, you probably had some experiences that were not so good on the playground, but everybody enjoyed for the most part playing on the playground. You know, why? Because it was a chance to have a fantasy and play, which are all creative tasks, right? When, when you see kids play on a playground, it's almost like they're not on planet earth. They're making shit up. They're wearing a cape. They're jumping off of something and pretending to fly. That is play. That is fantasy. That is the creative thought process. And we need more of that in our businesses. So I like to run my life like a creative playground because that's what fills me up. That's what makes me feel good. And the byproduct is I get to create the future because I get to make the fantasies. <laughs> so if fantasies become the future... In order for you to create the future, you first have to create the fantasy. And then you have to essentially make that fantasy come true, all right? And that's what we're going to talk a little bit about also. And I think before I do, I want to mention that sometimes there's two types of people. And again, I don't have any concrete evidence to back this up. These are just sort of things that I notice in the world. You have some people that wait for the future to happen, right? That's it. They wait for the future to happen. These people, and these people wait. And when the future finally shows up, <laughs> you, and you're going to know who I'm talking about here, you might be one of them too. And that's okay. They, they wait for the future to happen. They sit back. And when the future does happen, they're like, yep, I told you, Andy, I had that idea 15 years ago. I knew that was going to happen. I told you I had that idea 15 years ago. And so, you know, having the idea is actually only part, only part of the secret. You have to turn the idea, and I want to call that the fantasy, you have to turn the fantasy into reality. And I think the key word, like the key to this is turning, okay? Because turning is an action word. It is a verb, right? It is a doing statement. And so turning the fantasy into reality is the key part for those that want it. Okay. I'm not saying this is for everyone, but if you do want to create the future, then you have to turn the fantasy into reality. Whew. All right. I'm going to pause here for a second and catch my breath. So now I'm going to make a very bold statement. And the reason this is a bold statement is because Man, it just makes me nervous even thinking about it. Not nervous, it just gives me like uh, chills. I have seen the future and I have seen the future come true. 
man, and I swear to you on my creative life, (laughs) I have seen this, but I'm also just learning this. And it was, yeah, it was really my experience last week and some reflection I had that made me realize this. And I feel like this perspective of seeing the future and seeing the future come, come true is something that builds over time and it can only come with age. I don't think that it's really possible to f- see the future come true at a younger age because at that younger age, is, the future is simply just a fantasy or a dream. You haven't lived long enough to see any of that potentially come true. So only with age can you see those dreams and fantasies, you know, become the reality because they have to be built. Let me give you an example. And this is where I'm going to tie it back in to my, myself and how I have seen the future. So I don't know if I've told this story, maybe pieces of it along the way here on the podcast. But anyway, in 2004, when I got my uh, job, it was actually my second job as a water management representative, which is a fancy word of saying a, an account manager at Turf Equipment and Supply in Maryland, I had an early meeting with the owner, Bill Hughes. And Bill Hughes was the former general manager of the Toro Irrigation Division, okay? So Bill was a very intelligent, smart businessman. I was in Bill's office. He was asking me about how I was enjoying, you know, my first week or two or month, however long it had been at Turf Equipment. And I asked Bill, you know, Bill, why are we not selling parts on the internet? (laughs) Granted, this was 2004, but I was already buying things on the internet. You know, me, I was young. I was buying things on the internet. Bill looked at me and he, you know, really nicely, he said, with no reason to doubt what he was saying, he goes, Andy, this is the wholesale distribution industry. We don't sell parts online because our customers don't buy online. Our customers buy from people. Our customers buy from people. And, you know, when I think about that, he was not wrong. And I didn't really question Bill because I knew that, you know, from his lens, he wasn't wrong. And I think that because I was new, um, you know, who was I to question Bill? I was just the new kid. So I didn't question him, but I couldn't, I really couldn't stop thinking about that. Like that thought of why aren't people buying online? But here's the smart business guy. and He doesn't think it's going to happen, but I know it's going to happen. I literally couldn't stop thinking about it. I knew that people were going to buy online. I could feel it. I knew it, like, I knew it was going to be so true that it gave me goosebumps. <laughs> I can still feel those goosebumps. And I think it, it, that it's almost like it was what it was. Like I didn't know the first thing about selling parts online. So I just like, I had to let it be. I knew something was going to happen, but I didn't know the first step that I needed to take to, you know, to turn that into that fantasy, into reality. So I just had to let it be. And then like about, it was probably a year later, could have been six months. Let's just say it was a year later. I began to take what was that fantasy in my mind, the thought that everyone was going to buy parts online because the internet was here and it just made sense I started turning that into reality, all right? Again, I want you to remember what I'm saying here. The first step 
Step number one, perhaps the most important step, is to build a culture of fantasy. And here I'm just giving you an example of me and one fantasy. I was the only person in the company that had this fantasy. And this culture didn't exist at this company. I want you to think about how you could let your people dream. How do you let your service techs dream about what the future of, of a service tech might look like? You got to let your people dream. You need to let your people think up the craziest, silly shit. Let their minds wander. Let your people ask why about everything. And this is so counterintuitive to the corporate culture. It's like in a corporate culture, it is much more like military, right? Giving and receiving commands, order, structure. Having a fantasy is the opposite of order and structure. It is like the enemy of order and structure, okay? And when you have order and structure, you're only using... Well, that may be a strong statement. You're using primarily your left brain and you're keeping your right brain locked in a box. So if we think of corporate, anything corporate, our right brains are locked in a box and our left brains are what's used to keep order, structure, to give and receive commands. And I would like to challenge this <laughs> so much. I would like to say that the left brain is dead right? The left brain is a commodity. The left brain is exactly the side of the brain that the computers were designed to replace. And this is, again, we're getting a little crazy here, but what if the human created the computer using the right side of the brain in order to kill off the left side of the brain? Because in order to create something, the creation process is a right brain task. So maybe the right brain has won. The right brain has killed the left brain because the right brain invented the computer that will put the left brain out of business. So with all that said, the first step is being brave enough to have a fantasy and comfortable enough to have a fantasy building a culture where you don't laugh at someone else. You don't laugh at someone else's fantasy you make someone else's fantasy even crazier, okay? That is step number one. The next time you hear someone that has some crazy idea, I challenge you to make it even crazier. That, to me, is how good ideas come to fruition. Make someone else's idea crazier. And for those of you who are brave enough to be whimsical, playful, creative, seriously, and play, and this is where it goes in, and take action steps, those of you who do that will someday make their fantasies come true. You have to take the action steps. So everyone has heard of the term, you know, work hard. If you put in the time and you work hard, you'll be successful. But I couldn't disagree more. Like fundamentally, I couldn't disagree more because something is missing. You have to work hard and be diligent, but you have to choose the right things to direct that effort towards. Okay, you have to work hard and diligently on taking action on the right brain, the right thoughts. So this type of playful behavior, like, like I said before, it like brings up chills for me. And I know it to be truth, as true as gravity. Every dream is possible for those brave enough to imagine it. If you imagine it to be true and you embody it, it cannot 
be not true. Okay. So back to my story about turf equipment and my comment about selling parts on the internet in 2004, I knew this to be true and I started my own e-commerce store to learn the craft. Okay. I knew this fantasy of buying on, online was going to be true. So I took my first action step. Actually, my first step was just buying a domain name. That got me into momentum. But I built my first e-commerce store so that I could learn the craft. I built a website selling Christmas lights. And then I built a website selling Christmas tree storage bags. And then I built a website selling lawnmowers. And I, I honed my skill. You know, and this is in the early 2000s so that you know, essentially what happened is in 2010, when the economy tanked and I lost my full-time W-2 job at baseline, I created, I began to create the future that I thought about in 2004 and I built sprinklersupplystore.com. And this is where I'm going to skip ahead to skip ahead a few years. We're going, we're going to go ahead like eight years and, you know, essentially Part of, the de- part of my development process that I had, part of this fantasy with Sprinkler Supply Store was not being like another distributor. I needed to bring in another distribution partner to be my fulfillment arm. I did not want to build another wholesale distributor, right? The last thing our industry needs today or then or ever is another physical location for a wholesale supplier. Our industry does not need that. Instead, I wanted to build something different. I wanted to build, you know, what I might call the digital shelf, the digital layer on top of wholesale distribution. But when I first started in 2010, I didn't know how to do that. I didn't have a digital layer. It was very, very rudimentary, and it was email exchanges and parts going in a box. But now that it's 2023, I can tell you without any hesitation There is no doubt like this. I'm saying this as if it's real and as real as gravity. I am living in the future of the fantasy I had in 2004. It fucking happened. Okay. I shit you not. And this is why I am sharing this episode because the fact that the present now that I get to experience is almost exactly the future that I had a fantasy about. And this all came full circle when I was attending the Site One Western Conference last week. I had my like realization, my woke, my wake-up call. <sighs> I had built the first ever digital distribution shelf in the irrigation industry. That was my fantasy. And I didn't even realize that I had built it. And I love this expression that you can't read the label from inside the bottle But because I built it, I'm inside the bottle. I couldn't see what I had built, but I had built the first ever digital distribution shelf in the irrigation industry. I fucking did it. And I didn't see it because I was wrapped up in in all of that. (laughs) Orders that come in from Sprinkler Supply Store, I can automatically route to 10 wholesale distribution locations throughout the United States based on inventory and zip code. And I built it on top of Site One Landscape Supply, the largest distributor in our industry. It was here. I had built it. It is here, the digital shelf. And it wasn't until 
I sat in a room looking at a crowd of hundreds of people realizing that I had done it. And so attending the Site One Western Conference and seeing what Site One's digital team was building and the small piece that I had been able to play both on my own and consulting for Site One made me realize just how special this future had become. Site One Landscape Supply is becoming the first, I would say the first digital first distributor in our industry. Think about that. Is there a digital first distributor? There isn't other than sprinklersupplystore.com, but this is like I'm small potatoes, right? What I built is really, is really nothing. And seeing Site One become a digital first distributor, I was like, hell yeah, I, I can get behind that. Let me be the cheerleader for that. And they told their entire organization that digital is priority number one. It's the purpose, right? And it's not just because of digital, it's because of their customers and relationships. And I think this is exactly the right approach. For a human to write down an order is a poor use of time. Humans should be helping other humans figure out Figure out something, solve a problem, teach something, understand something, not take orders. So by site one becoming a digital first distributor, what they're actually saying is we want our people to get to know the customers better. <laughs> and that is amazing. So being at the site one Western event and realizing, you know, holy shit, I built what I wanted to build and it's here. And now the distributor that I'm working with is doing it on their own as well. It only took 20 years, but it, it freaking happened. <laughs> and if I think back, it's like somehow I knew years ago when I got the fantasy chills and I was physically moved to the point where I could feel the hair stand up on the back of my neck, I knew shit was going to be real. And I want you to think about that. If you can have a fantasy like so intense that you feel moved, then you, you have a very likely chance of making, of making that fantasy a reality. So I want you to remember something and I want you to think about something. Think about that feeling that I just described of those chills, of the hair standing up in the back of your neck, a feeling so strong it moves you. That is it. That is the goal. That is the culture that you need to build into the ethos of your company, right? Because it's at that point that, you know, it, it be, the conversation doesn't become intellectual anymore, right? At that point, it is no longer an intellectual thought. And I know that sounds crazy, but when you have a feeling that's so strong, you get chills and it moves you, it's not an intellectual thought. It can't be measured by traditional methods, because it's a feeling. You were physically moved. You were actually touched by something. Okay? So that's the moment when you see the potential of the idea. You need to go for those moments. You need to keep having fantasies. Keep allowing your staff, your managers, your executives, everyone in your company to have fantasies until you have that moment when you are touched, when you feel the flow of energy through your body. Okay. And it's kind of crazy. It's like 
almost like you can manifest something. And it is crazy. It is like you're manifesting the idea to be true through everything in your body. It's like you're, you're like you're living the idea in the moment. Like it's actually real. It's not just your imagination. It's not just a fantasy. So if the fantasy, if you can make that fantasy move through your body, almost like it's real, then it, it is real and it can become real. So those are the moments that when you feel, like when you feel and sense the potential, the hard thing in corporate or in any company is uh, you really have to uh, not teach this, but allow for this culture and environment where this is allowed to happen because you can't just put like getting chills on a to-do list. You can't just put, oh, let's have a fantasy at 3 p.m. We're going to get together and have a fantasy session. It does not work like that. You can't make it a quarterly deliverable. (laughs) But you can build your company into a place where the chills can happen, okay? Think about that. It's not a to-do list. It's a mantra. It's an ethos. Build a company into a place where the chills can happen. And I think that companies that are really small, uh, this is fundamentally true because you get three guys in a room that had this killer idea and they, and they build it into something. But as the company starts to grow, it gets further and further and further away and you have people, processes, forums, procedures, and it becomes a different, um, it becomes a different company with a different set of challenges as the company starts to, you know, grow and scale. And I think sometimes the larger the company gets, the more of that, you know, constraint is put, the more the company gets constraints, and it's harder to be creative and whimsical and magical and build fantasies because the company over time becomes more stable and predictable. And stable and predictable is not really a fantasy culture. And, and I don't know exactly how the, to do this per se. And I don't know how to build a company with... 100, 500, 1,000 people that can all have fantasies or have a culture of fantasy. I just know it needs to happen. I just know that the old way of building company culture is, is dead. It's not working. That's why we're seeing all of this disruption with remote workers. We are seeing the old company constraints of stability and predictability dying. So when this happens, how do you keep from becoming that boring company? How do you keep from becoming, you know, I, I can't say names in this, on this podcast that could potentially, um, you know, be slanderous towards another company, but how do you become the companies that we know in the irrigation industry who are boring? How do you keep yourself from becoming one of those companies? I'm going to tell you, it's making fantasies making fantasies a reality, celebrating somebody else's fantasy, up fantasizing someone else's fantasy, making somebody else's fantasy even more crazy. That's what you need to do. And that is how the future happens. And for those who are bold enough, brave enough, creative enough, whimsical enough, thoughtful enough 
it'll happen. The future doesn't, doesn't exist. The future is simply a fantasy. So if you want your future to become true, you have to have a fantasy. And I challenge you to have fantasies. They don't have to be big. They can be very small, but just, just be curious, have a, you know, build a culture of wonder of, you know, trying something new, being creative. That's my message for you. That's making fantasy a reality. And it could be that I was having these thoughts because I had just come off of three days at the Consumer Electronics Show, which is essentially like living in the future. But seeing, but, but being with Site1's digital team and seeing the messages that are coming down through the company finally is awe-inspiring because e-commerce is easy. Making change in an organization is difficult. Change in general is difficult. And it takes, it takes change being a part of DNA for it to really work. And I think that fantasy should be a part of every company's DNA. So whew, I think that's it. This may be my longest ever solo riff. And I actually don't want to call this a riff because I'm going to have to take my thoughts and uh, turn them into written format because I think I said a few things in here that I really like and want to expand on even more. So that's it, guys. Have a fantastic weekend. Have a fantastic fantasy weekend. And also, don't be afraid to share your fantasies. Share them all and just know that somebody laughs at it, that's okay. They're laughing at themselves. Actually, you know what? That should be your goal. Share a fantasy and hope that they laugh because <laughs> that means they just don't understand and it could come true and they will be left behind. So yeah, enjoy your weekend, guys, and I will catch you on the next fantasy episode. Bye-bye.